Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Listeners, and welcome to Ohio Mysteries. We will get to our story in a moment, but first, Paul and I want to give a big shout out to Carrie O. Carrie O is our brand new Patreon supporter. Thank you so much for joining the wonderful people that support us on Patreon every month. Without you, we would be stuck paying these hosting and research bills ourselves. It is because of you that we are able to keep making these fantastic shows for all of you. Now, if you out there listening would like to join the Patreon team, head on over to patreon.com slash Ohio Mysteries and consider supporting us. There you'll have access to bonus episodes, including interviews with detectives on some of our Akron Beacon Journal crossover cases. Now, let's throw another log on the fire campers. Let's dig up a new mystery. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder. And with us, as always, is our award-winning journalist who spent 30 years telling these kinds of stories with the Akron Beacon Journal, Paula Schleiss. Hi, everyone. We are departing from our normal podcast format to bring you a special interview with Carol Costello, a former CNN journalist and one-time Akron, Ohio TV anchor who is releasing a new multi-part podcast on one of Akron's most famous criminal cases, but also one of its most inspirational. It's the story of Phyllis Cottle, a woman savagely assaulted on her way to work in 1984, who not only survived, but in some ways thrived as she became a victim's advocate and an icon of strength, determination, and perseverance. The podcast is called Blind Rage, and it's out now, and we'll be running every Tuesday for the next 10 weeks. Do I have that right, Carol? I do. And welcome to Ohio Mysteries. We are going to learn a lot about Phyllis over the next couple of months, but first, let's get to know you. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit why you chose journalism as a career? Well, first of all, Paula, thank you for hosting me. I really appreciate it. And and, and I've listened to your podcast and it's wonderful. So thank, thank you for you. doing what you do. Um, gosh, journalism. You know, I've always wanted to be a journalist ever since I was 12 years old. And it's all I've ever done until now. Now I teach journalism, so I just can't get away from it. <laughs> and, you know, as a journalist yourself, once you craft a podcast around a, a an incident that happened in life, that's journalism too. So maybe both of us just can't escape it. I don't know. I always say like journalism is like a disease. (laughs) I was going to say it's in the blood. So I guess it's a blood disease. It's a blood disease. I know. I know. It's some, in some ways it's so terribly difficult, 
but in most ways it's just wonderful and you become addicted and um and i would say that i always have been i just love telling people stories i like drawing strength from people i think people are so fascinating and you know as a journalist you get to enter so many other people's worlds and that's really awesome and you get to like live history in real time Absolutely. Absolutely. Obviously, your uh, journalism career took you to Akron. Are you a native of Akron? I am a native of Canton, Ohio. So I was born in Canton. I went to Minerva High School. I went to Kent State and I had an internship at WAKR TV 23 in Akron and they hired me. So I was really fortunate and went on from there. Tell us about your time in Akron. I know you covered some memorable crime stories. And since we're big into crime here, why don't you tell us about some of the the cases that stuck out in your mind that you were involved in covering? You know, it's interesting. Um, It was the 80s, so it wasn't exactly a great time for women in the workplace. So you had to, like, fight not to cover stories about, you know, elderly people's 100th birthday parties and, you know, because young women reporters were saddled with those kinds of stories all the time. Not that they're bad stories. First baby of the new year. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) you know what I'm talking about. I would fight not to get that shift because I knew I was going to be stuck doing first baby of the new year. (laughs) Yes. Or school supplies for your children for the, it's like, Oh, please no. Yes. So I always sort of gravitated toward hard news and hard news in my mind was crime. And um, Larry States was the news director at WAKR at the time. And he became my mentor. And for some reason, he saw something in me and trusted me to cover these kinds of stories. So I used to go down to the Akron Police Department every morning and, you know, talk to the desk sergeant about what happened the night before, go through the incident reports. You know, I had an actual beat backward journalists had an actual beat and as a result i covered some of the worst crimes in akron because in the 80s um i don't know it just seemed like akron was was overcome with violent crime like i covered the Cooey case i covered glenn benner both death penalty cases both horrible crimes against young women um and I sat through the trials with the families and it was, it was, it was psychologically hard. Um, you know, a lot of people think covering story is just a job for journalists, but you know, we're human and we can be affected by a tragedy the same way our readers and viewers are maybe even more so because we're talking to the people who were affected by them. What was it like for you to cover those kinds of stories personally? Well, you know, as a young person, you just don't think evil like that walks the earth. And then, you know, it's like a a bucket of cold water dumped on your head that, yeah, there are evil people and they're just evil. Like, and and I remember, um, because when you, when you're in a courtroom and you're listening to the testimony, you're hearing everything and you're seeing some really grisly photos sometimes. And I remember sitting down with the family of uh, a young woman who was um, raped and murdered. And um, her injuries were just catastrophic. And the pictures were so hard to to look at. And I remember sitting down with her mother and saying, why do you want to be in this courtroom? I don't understand. I don't think I could bear it. And she said, well, I'm here for my daughter. And someone has to witness what happened to her. And I have to 
be here for her. And I remember thinking as a 22 year old, that was so difficult to understand. You know, on the other hand, you know, if you just think about it in a mother daughter kind of role, I guess I would want my mom to be there. Maybe, I don't know. It was very confusing for me. Um, And I would say covering the case of Phyllis Cottle was, was confusing, inspirational, and in some ways traumatic. I don't think they teach you that in college, how to deal with those kinds of stories effectively. And it's not only for my mental health, but it's, it's in dealing with people who've suffered unimaginable tragedy. How do you deal with people like that and not be intrusive or hurtful? Absolutely. Not to take away from your podcast, because obviously we're going to be going for hours and hours into the details of the case. But for the purposes of this and our listeners, why don't you tell us briefly about the crime against Phyllis Cottle? Phyllis Cottle was 44 years old, a single mother, three daughters in 1984. And she went to work just like every other day. And she has she was like um, setting up a flower show at noon for charity. So she had to leave early. So as she walked to her car, um, a man came up from behind and hit her in the head with a gym bag and put a knife to her throat and forced her into her own car. Uh, He brought her to a vacant house where he raped her for hours and then asked her if she had any money. She said no. And he didn't believe her, forced her to go to her bank. And they tried to withdraw money, but she really didn't have any money brought her back to the house, assaulted her again, and then ultimately tied her hands and feet, put her in the car, drove to a remote location in a neighborhood in East Akron, um, asked her if she was going to go to the police. She said, no, I'm not. He said, that's what they've all said. And he grabbed her by the back of her hair and um, he stabbed her and, and blinded her. He stabbed her. Um, in her eyes and you can go online and, and it was, it's just the most horrible thing, but he left her in the back seat. He poured some sort of flammable liquid on her and the car. And then he set the inside of the car on fire, locked the doors and off he ran. Somehow Phyllis got out of that car and uh, made it her mission to hunt this man down. And uh, she really wanted justice to be served and she didn't want this man to hurt anybody else. I would say that she became an Akron at that time, um, an, 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 a pillar of strength. I mean, she was one of the first um, rape victims to, to like fully publicize her name and show her face and tell her story in vivid detail. Um, and women just didn't do that back then. And, and many women don't do that today. So yeah. that in a nutshell is the story of Phyllis Gattel. Not her whole story. But I, I can't wait to hear all the details. I'm just, I mean, you got to become friends with her, right? I mean, you spent a lot of time with her. You know, tell us a little bit about what impressed you about Phyllis and the evolution of her after that crime. You know, I asked her, and her friends have asked her if, if she could go back and, um, and that that never happened to her. Would that be her wish in life? And she said, no. 
She said, in many ways, what happened to me made me a better person and gave me a purpose in life. That to me sums up Phyllis. Like she found a way to do good things for people out of a horrible thing that happened to her. She refused to be a victim. She refused. She was a survivor, right? She became, you know, to know her, she was just so matter of fact. She was very Midwestern, right? She was very like pragmatic. This happened to me. Now I'm going to deal with it. And I'm not going to sit in a corner all my life and cry about it. I'm going to move on with my life and I'm going to do something meaningful. That was very much Phyllis. Um, she was amazing. Wow. Well, I, it's the kind of story you don't often get to tell. Cause like you said, when this happens to people, a lot of people want to shut down. They don't want to discuss it. And I know you're going to be able to bring us a very unique perspective on a story that we don't usually get. And I am really looking forward to that. So, so tell us again, it's blind rage. It's going to be coming out every Tuesday for the next 10 weeks or 10 weeks total. I, what do you think we're going to come away with when we're done listening? Well, you know, it's a good story because Phyllis essentially becomes a detective in her own case. She becomes a team member with the detectives hunting down this, this person who assaulted her. Um, I think what I want people to carry away is um, the real heroes of these violent crime are the survivors. The most interesting people are the survivors, not the perpetrators. I also want people to come away with um, realizing that what happened to Phyllis affected so many other people, her family, the community, police, journalists. Like she found a way to control her own narrative and she left an indelible impression on all of those factions. And um, because I have so many court documents and police reports and I've talked to so many people, the story is rich and detailed. And I, I just want to show people a moment in time and how what happened to one person affects so many others. And in Phyllis's case, she affected most people I talked to their entire lives. Like she stuck with not only me, but the detectives, the prosecutors, and of course her family and friends. So Carol, what did you do after Akron? Where did your career take you? Oh my gosh, I went to so many places. Um, after Akron, I went to Toledo, then I went to Indianapolis, then I went to Columbus, Ohio, then I went to Baltimore, Maryland to be an anchor, then I went to Washington, D.C. as a television anchor and investigative reporter, which was cool, and then I got my job at CNN in 2001, and um, I had my own show and anchored my own morning show for 18 years. Um, and I just left CNN in 2018. And now I teach journalism at Loyola Marymount University in California. And I do this podcast. That's wonderful. I, you've had so many different um, areas in Ohio that you've been part of. So I, hopefully a lot of our listeners will recognize your name. I, I can't say recognize your face because we're a podcast, but hopefully <laughs> recognize your name. I hope so. <laughs> I get a lot of, oh, I grew up watching you today. 
it's dangerous. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> and you're like, wait a minute. I'm not that old. All right. Terrific. Well, Carol, thank you so much for joining us. And we look forward to, to hearing this very inspirational story. Thank you, Paula. I appreciate your having me on. I really appreciate it. That's it for tonight, listeners. For photos, news clippings, and more on this and every episode, hop on over to ohiomysteries.com. Also, for more shows like ours, head on over to killerpodcasts.com. We are a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. History is the greatest adventure story. But does it ever leave you wondering what the women were doing all that time? This is Lori from the Her Half of History podcast, and the answer is that some women were seizing power, or escaping slavery, or spying for their country, or creating artistic masterpieces, while countless others were doing the laundry, getting married, and wondering why their clothes don't have more pockets. If you would like to hear the stories of women doing all of those things, check out Her Half of History at herhalfofhistory.com or wherever you get your podcasts.